Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I are here and we got Eric on the phone. Good morning, Eric. How you doing, man? Good morning. Good to be with y'all this morning. Did it rain in Starkville yesterday? Oh yeah. Yeah. Did it did it rain in Starkville this well it wouldn't have rained in Starkville this morning when it rained here, but I did not expect it to rain early this morning. Tom, did it rain in Cleveland? It did. Little quick yeah. deluge, and then it was kind of dry, you know, over and done with. It thundered like within 150 miles of my house. Therefore, my dog woke up at 2:30. Well, that's because it was thundering in Cleveland. Did the same thing. She has a nose for thunder or an ear for thunder. So does ours, and it sets her off. So, been awake for a while. Me too, Eric. We're on the corn planting train now, man. It's all started. Seems like we went from doing meetings to uh, taking calls about planting and spraying and stuff overnight. We're going to go through some of that, but before we do, you know, I'm going to ask you something. So my question is next week, or I guess this week when we drop this episode next week, when we're recording it is spring break. So what was Eric Larson's spring break activity when he was growing up? Um, it's almost been too long. I can't hardly remember, <laughs> but it wasn't very exciting. I can tell you that. That's probably why he paused, Jason. My, well, don't worry about it. Mine wasn't very exciting either. I can remember going fishing some. Nor was mine. I mean, I could tell I you. I remember working some. Age-wise, you know, I just went crazy. We went partying on the beach, but no, I didn't do that. Likely maybe doing some fishing. I do remember uh, spring break time back in Kansas. We'd often still have snow on the ground that was piled up on the edge of the driveway. So be shooting a few hoops out there with snow on the edge of the driveway. and uh, Or if there was ice off the ponds, then we would may do a little fishing anyway. But it, it's certainly a little bit different up there in terms of spring break activities than what it is in the south. And so now you just plant corn over spring break, right? Take advantage of your free labor, or if I say free labor, yeah. your accessible labor that's not in school so you can go plant corn. Yeah, yeah, if you're not already done, <laughs> which is. <laughs> All right, so huh, speaking, okay. of, speaking of that, that's a good lead-in, Eric. So tell us where we're at on corn planting. I guess do we want to do – Planting first, or what you're thinking on where we'll end up on acres first? Because let's, let's talk about where we think we're going to end up on acres first. Because we're well on our way to wh- whatever number Eric's fixing to spit out. We're well on our way to it. Well, acreage intentions this year in Mississippi for corn are, are likely up, or intentions are higher. I always hesitate to put very much emphasis on that in the winter meetings because I know that springtime conditions really dictate the actual acreage a lot more than what intentions ever do. So the issue so far has been that we've had a lot warmer conditions than normal all all the way since Christmas time when we had those really cold temperatures. We have had some relatively dry or dry enough conditions that that folks in the South Delta and particularly South I-20 have made some considerable planting progress with the corn crop already. So that's that's certainly... uh, a welcome change and certainly got anticipation for this year's planting on a strong note right now. So when you say up, what kind of percentage up are we? Is that 
single digits or are we talking a little greater than 10% acreage increase? I would say over 10%. Um, the, the, the main thing driving the acreage increase for corn last this year is that last year with higher nitrogen prices, a lot of our growers in crop rotation systems scaled back their corn intentions considerably. You know, not that economics have changed tremendously. The nitrogen prices have, have gone down a little bit as of late, but a lot of folks committed to those crop rotations realize that in their best interest of their program, they probably need to come back into some corn acreage this year. And that's that's probably the biggest thing that's driving the acreage increase. So you think that acreage increase will be back in line? So, so like throw out 2022 and then we're back in line with where we had kind of been trending over the past four or five years, or are we up or thinking we're going to be up from even that point? No, I think we'll be in line with where we've been in the past. I can't remember the exact number from where we were last year. I think it was 550,000 planted acres or or give or take 10,000 from that. I expect that this year we'll be back over 600,000 acres and, you know, maybe as high as 700,000 acres. So, that's certainly going to be more than a 10% increase, but I don't see anything pushing us towards, you know, a whole lot more acreage than that unless things completely break loose and, you know, we're able to plant like crazy, I guess, later this month and, and have tremendous opportunities for planting, which would be certainly a blessing, but um, cautiously optimistic about those prospects anyway. Well, different parts of the state operate differently, but just taking a guess, would you think that more of that percent increase in acres is coming out of beans or coming out of cotton? Probably soybeans, I guess. But, you know, there may be a little, obviously, some acreage coming from both those crops. But, yeah, primarily soybeans, particularly since, you know, there's over 2 million acres typically of soybeans. So you got a lot more acres there to play with. But um, Law of averages on your side there. Going back to, you know, the nitrogen thing, the folks that, that shifted away from the from corn because of nitrogen probably went to soybeans as well. So, you know, once again, that that's probably going to – probably that acreage is going to be coming from soybeans primarily. Here at Stoneville, I guess we're excluding today, which is relative to Monday and Tuesday. It's pretty chilly outside today on Thursday. But we, I guess we had two and maybe three weeks of spring-like weather, some rain in there, and then it'll definitely go north of Stoneville and more rain. Mm-hmm. But, Eric, what was the first date that you heard of corn getting planted on in Mississippi? I can't recall the day. I think it was February the 27th. We had a meeting in Monroe County that day. So I may be off on the dates anyway, but um... – it was a February date. Yeah, that would have been last Monday. I think I was thinking the latter part of the week prior, so like the twenty fourth or something. So you know, basically, yeah. basically the same. So that's been a couple of weeks ago now, or you know, at least ten days ago. So given the temperatures that we have had, just kind of thinking collectively statewide with some variability, and you know, nothing has been planted in the North Delta part because it's just so wet there but if you're thinking about south of highway 82 and then south of 20 like you mentioned how long will it take corn to come up 
under the conditions that we had at, over the past two weeks? Probably less than seven days, believe it or not, and that's completely driven by soil temperatures. Sure, right. The minimal soil temperature for corn germination is 50 degrees. As the soil becomes warmer, particularly getting on up there close to 60 degrees, corn will generally be up within that seven-day window or somewhere thereabouts. Knowing what the nighttime temperatures have been over the past couple of weeks, uh, with with nighttime temperatures often, you know, or probably averaging well above 60 degrees, I would expect that soil temperatures would be very similar to that value and uh, that the corn is likely, a lot of that corn is going to be up by now. Yeah, we haven't had any nights out of the 50s, really not any nights in the low 50s here in, in a while, Tom. No, it's, it's been nice because I'm that's what I've seen. I mean, heck, even when I get up early in the mornings in the 50s. Yeah. Now, long-range forecast is trending towards a little different over the next 7 to 10 days from where we're sitting right now, and that, that could make things a little more interesting. Absolutely. I always recommend that, that folks carry a soil thermometer with them and measure soil temperature first thing in the morning to determine how acceptable that that those conditions are for planting because it, it does dictate, once again, the, the seedling growth rate and how quickly that corn seed emerges. And it frankly is a lot more sensitive to soil saturation and, and other adverse conditions during the time period between when it's planted and when it emerges. So that's that's extremely critical. And just because we had warm temperatures during February and early March doesn't mean that we can't have adverse conditions when things dry out, you know, later this month or, or even in April for that matter. So um, just be cautious of that and be cognizant of the forecast and certainly measure soil temperature on your soils and fields that that are likely to have you know, issues, particularly with, with soil saturation and water, you know, in other words, your heavy soils or soils that don't have much grade to the field that will hold water longer than normal and likely to have stand issues. Excluding a freeze, Eric, or standing water, like standing water that gets up over a bed, you know, if it's a bedded field, is the corn better off after it gets up out of the ground than, than sitting in the ground? And I think that's a pretty obvious answer to that question. Absolutely. It's it's more self-sufficient, and it'll tolerate soil saturation a lot better the larger the plant is. Obviously, with the growing point moving above the soil surface, which doesn't occur till it's about a foot tall, then it, then it becomes even better, I guess. But slight differences in elevation change can have a dramatic difference on your stand quality. And we all know how important stand quality is. And, you know, just the years that I've walked cornfields and looking at marginal fields or fields where, where growers are concerned about stand quality, it's uh, astonishing that how an inch of difference in bed height or, you know, just slight differences in Elevation make a tremendous difference to the um, the stand quality and in the emergence disparity and the growth disparity that that lead to um, poorer stands and and yield issues that that we'd like to try to avoid. And the reason I even asked that about the seed in the ground versus a seedling plant. I mean, you think about some years when we catch a break this time of year, 
early days of March and we get some corn planted and then we get March or we even get February. I mean, last year it snowed about this time. Mm-hmm. We can get that weather. And, and so that's the reason I even asked it is we can, we can take a, a while for seed to come out of the ground some years. Again, like you said, depending on the temperature and then, but I feel like too, it's corn's a pretty tough plant if it doesn't just get awful, awful cold. Yeah. I know that we had a a freeze event in 2007 that caused a lot of anxiety and caused some issues, but corn is a plant that can tolerate freeze after it's merged. Um, And that's because the growing point is down underground. The folks in the corn belt who obviously grow corn in a lot colder environment than, than what we are, aren't terribly concerned about freeze damage after the corn is planted. Everybody is trying to plant corn early and optimize the advantages of early planting related to moving those those sensitive reproductive periods during a time period of the summer that's more environmentally favorable and conducive to high yields. But the, the corn plant is unique in that it can cover recover from defoliation, leaf burn, et cetera, from, from various things, including frost damage, as long as you have good conditions for growth after the freeze event. And, and that was the thing that really caused the issue in 2007 is that it stayed cloudy and exceptionally cold after that April freeze in 2007, where over a two-week period, we only accumulated about 50 growing degree days. And if you if you're familiar, I guess, with how many growing degree days it takes for corn to emerge, it's in Mississippi conditions, usually it's close to 90 growing degree days. So that corn that was injured that year and was frosted above the soil surface didn't have enough growing degree days to regenerate new leaf tissue and become self-sufficient and start producing energy and food for itself. So it basically starved because the, the seed basically ran out of energy and uh, caused some mortality in, in that stand and just got drawn out because there wasn't enough warm temperatures to regenerate growth in a normal time period that, that season. So I guess what you're saying, Eric, is, and I know you've talked about this at some of the winter meetings, and I think you probably did at short course. People with intentions to plant corn shouldn't be terribly concerned about the date on the calendar right now. That's absolutely right. With that in mind, what's really looked traditionally or historically like the best window for planting for maximum yield potential? That's going to be a different answer than what may be work out to be the answer for 2023. And I'll characterize that, I guess, in that Typically, for the central delta region, Highway 82 latitude in the state, where we plant a lot of corn on on both sides of the state, I would say the optimum planting date is going to be the last week of March and the first 10 days of April. Just qualify that. That's over an extended number of years, too. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's over the last 25 plus years, I guess, right. I've been in the yeah. state. And, yeah, and year, looking at, year in and year out, it's later. The, I just want to qualify that in contrast to this year. Yeah, and and the reason I'm, I'm saying that is that there were certain years like 2012 where we accumulated uh, 
hate to quote the numbers, but probably at least twice as many growing degree days during the month of March and April as what we normally do. And that year, when we do have extremely warm conditions, particularly during March and April, early planting is, or taking advantage of that early planting window is going to produce tremendous dividends. Obviously, we had record yields that year in 2012, but to characterize the difference and the advantage of early planting and the effect that those growing degree days during March and April contributed is if you look at normal corn tasseling dates that we've had the last few years and historically where that is, it's going to the same region of the state, Highway 82 latitude, normally corn is going to tassel sometime between June the 5th and probably as late as the 15th. And that year, and this is a different latitude, I just remember the date of where we had some of the first tasseling corn, but we had corn tasseling a month ahead of that around Yazoo City back in 2012, which is exceptionally early it was tasseling somewhere in that somewhere prior to May the 5th May the 10th I would encourage folks to be prepared and take advantage of good planting conditions if they present themselves you know right now for much of the state the primary limitation is going to be soil moisture and, and getting dry enough conditions to allow planting if warm conditions continue this spring, which we've seen no indication that, that we're not going to have a warmer than normal spring since the 1st of, of January, I would certainly be prepared to take advantage of the of the conditions and, and take advantage of a warm spring. Is there any management that needs to be modified slightly from what would go on with a later planting date? Probably so, and that comes to mind because I've already had questions about nitrogen application to corn that's already emerged. You got to remember, I guess, that normally we don't have many growing degree days accumulated and very slow growth with these early plantings. So moderating your timing and amount of nitrogen that's applied for these early plantings would certainly be well in order. You know, we could certainly discuss, you know, weed control, I guess, as well, in that we might want to back up plans or, you know, moderate that, you know, relative to when we see weed emergence and maybe use a early post-emergence application instead of a pre-emergence application or make other changes in our program to adjust for, you know, the exceptionally early planning opportunities. Yeah, I'd agree with that. When we have done that type of stuff before, you know, the earlier the planting date, then the later we needed the herbicide application within reason because most of those treatments are atrazine-based, so you got a decently early cutoff with it with the 12-inch corn restriction. Okay, Eric, and I know that we always end up with a little bit of overlap, corn planting and, and wheat issues at this point during the season. What are your thoughts on any potential fertility needs or is it too late for fertility issues and wheat? What kind of calls are you getting right now? Well, nitrogen fertility is, is probably the main thing with, with most of the wheat management. We strongly advise putting out split applications of nitrogen in order to optimize efficiency and delivery of the, of the nitrogen and, and really 
minimize its exposure to wet soils and conditions that cause heavy losses before the wheat actually consumes most of that nitrogen, which is going to be when it's in its rapid growth stages and leading all the way up to heading. So split applications is strongly recommended in in wheat because it's grown during the wet time of the year. So we we commonly use split applications of nitrogen in corn, and I, and I would argue that it's even more important to u- utilize that sort of strategy in wheat in order to minimize exposure and losses. So the main thing that, that I would recommend is to, when you're doing split applications, um, particularly if you're in a three-shot program where you apply one application during tilling stages, one at about the initiation of stem elongation, is to split the application timing, particularly between the second and third timings, about three weeks apart. And as long as you put out that third application timing before boot stage, that will supply the the needs necessary for the crop, but it'll reduce exposure to, to the wet conditions and ensure that we'll have nitrogen available for the crop during April and early May when it, it obviously is going through those reproductive periods and we'll we'll be consuming a fair amount of nitrogen. Eric, thanks, man. Uh, we appreciate your time calling in this morning and good luck with it all. You're you're always the first one out of the gate, especially with the wheat and then and then the early corn planting too. We're all right there behind you, man. Uh, <laughs> it's all happening fast now. So uh we appreciate it and we look forward to talking to you again in a few weeks thank you thanks Eric. the mississippi crop situation podcast is a production of mississippi state university extension 